in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Max Pacioretty tore his Achilles and will miss six months. That would put him back in February if he does, in fact, come back in six months. Um, I've seen a lot of people suggest that this means it was a good trade for the Golden Knights. <laughs> First off, the Golden Knights got nothing in yeah. return. Well, who, who, how's it a good trade if right. you, you can't even compare him to somebody? So Pacioretty being hurt just means they wouldn't have had him, right. even if they exactly. traded for him. They did trade for him. And I would actually argue if they hadn't and he tore his Achilles, they could put him on long-term IR. He could be there. Yes. Would be no problem. Yeah, absolutely. They they have they have experience in doing that. Yeah. And then they'd have like 20 million on long-term IR to start the year. So it really doesn't change anything for the Golden Knights. They could have put him on long-term IR and then they would have what had was it, that future space. considerations. Yes, which is um code for nothing. No, you got zero for him. So There's I don't know how you can compare back. if it's a good trade or not. I do. This is probably a, a step too far on it. Is this a bad sign that the Golden Knights are going to be dealing with injuries again? That's a step further on it. Like, uh, like this. This is the this is the nightmare scenario they went through last year. Was guys suffering injuries all the time, and we've talked about it this week. Mark Stone coming back from back surgery. Jack Eichel played through what was it? He had, he had the neck obviously, but then he played through was it a wrist or a finger injury last year too? Uh, I thought it was a finger. Yeah, like he played through an injury last season too. Like. The chances of this team having some significant injuries seems very high. And Max Pacioretty, granted no longer on the team, suffering a significant injury doesn't exactly... I don't think that should make you feel good about the Golden Knights going into this. Two season. days later, the team... Or two days earlier, the team had Pacioretty skating around and taking shots saying, here's Patches. Here he is. Then two days... I think it was two days later, he tears the Achilles. That I'm pretty stinks. sure the Golden Knights, the day before they traded Pacioretty, handed out Pacioretty stickers at practice. Wait, stickers? Yeah, or something like that. They were handing out. There was some sort of like open practice, and they were handing out Max Pacioretty stickers. And then the next day, they traded him. <laughs> oh my God! Only the Golden Knights. <laughs> no, that was definitely that was definitely one of those moves of. Okay, what do we have in the back that has Pacioretty's name on it? Because we got to get rid of it now. <laughs> Kalong told me a nah, couple days ago. I, you gotta get rid of this echo. I've been saying that for like a Ty, month. No, 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 Tyler. Remind me during. Uh, remind me Whatever. when March Madness comes along. We need to do like kind of a tournament of like what the random sounds I play on the show. What needs to be retired and what needs to stay. Roger Goodell says the evidence calls for a full season suspension of Deshaun Watson. Does well, that we know what's gonna happen? Can, yeah. Does that basically <laughs> just seal that he's getting a full yeah, season telling suspension? Telling the guy that he hired, right? Who has ties to the league. This is what you're giving him. So he's getting a full year. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, there's no way this guy's not. Don't, and, don't you think there's no way this guy's not coming back? Right. Him? And by the way, if you're Roger Goodell, why, if you have an opinion that he should be suspended for a full year, why even give it to somebody else? He could have just decided, yeah, full year suspension. Oh, because he doesn't Roger, want to get sued. Or if you're Roger Goodell. He can't get sued. This is the collectively bargained agreement. No, there's the, What would your him. argument be? Hey, uh, we agreed to this format he could have just appealed it to himself right he could have just sat down heard the appeal and said the yeah, evidence says he's a year it's a year-long suspension 
You he, surprised he's talking out loud about it? A little bit, yeah. Because I would have, I would guess he would have said, "Oh, I handed that yeah, off to exactly. somebody it's else." His decision. So. I have nothing to do with this. Right. It's his decision. But we'll both present our cases. Yeah. But he said out loud that, "Hey, the evidence says this should be a year-long suspension," which to me basically confirms this is going to be a year-long yes. suspension for Deshaun Watson. I don't care about him. Next question. Okay. Do you guys remember this story? Where the Oilers owner got accused of having yes. sex with an underage uh, ballerina. So for anybody that doesn't remember the story, it was one of the stories I had to read like six times to comprehend everything. There is a lawsuit uh, from a bunch of former ballerinas that claim a dance instructing couple was sexually abusing them when they were minors. Right? That couple filed a countersuit... And in their countersuit, they claimed, one, that they started a relationship with one of the dancers after she turned 18, that they waited until she was 18, waited, and also claimed in their countersuit that the owner of the Oilers was paying one of the dancers for sex when she was a minor. It's like, what the hell's going on there? Yesterday, that dance couple retracted their statements about the owner. They said in some sort of court filing, we lied. That is not accurate. The owner of the Oilers never paid this underage dancer for sex. I'm still trying to combine the Oilers owner with dance. I don't know where he came from. Where, where no idea. Well, but didn't we also find out there were text messages that there, were? Well, there that, was submitted evidence. I don't oh. know. Okay. The evidence was supposedly the Oilers owner was texting somebody and there were two different texts where he said, I'm sending you 50000 I'm sending you 25000 But none of the texts said what it was for, right? There was never a, hey, right. here's 50000 and there was up. no evidence of what he was expecting right. her to do. And also, it wasn't necessarily proven. I don't Maybe it was, but I haven't read this, that it was actually sent from the Oilers owner to this underage dancer. It was just screenshots of text messages. So it could have been sent to anybody. I haven't seen if they proved or didn't prove who that message was to. But yes, one of the most just like double take. I need to read that six times to figure out what's happening. And now that couple went back and said, ah, we made it up. Not true. Is Daryl Katz a big ballerina fan? I, that's well, the part I don't know. The, the whole there's, part a, there's of been like that explanation I haven't figured out either. Why? Because I Why think this there... happened in New York too. This isn't even like a Canadian thing. Like, I think this happened in New York. I... I do not know. It is one of the most bizarre stories I've ever read, and now it like doesn't exist because this couple went back and said, "Nope, we lied. We, we lied about it. it." Okay, but at the same time, also, if any part of your defense is ever, "Hey, I waited <laughs> till she was 18. Oh you're, boy, you're probably guilty. You're guilty of something. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Bears general manager Ryan Poles says that he wants to keep Roquan Smith. According to a tweet from Field Yates, Poles held a presser yesterday addressing the Roquan Smith trade request, said, right now, my intentions are to sign Roquan to this team. My intentions are to make sure Roquan Smith is on this team. Roquan Smith is in the last year of his rookie deal. The linebacker went on Twitter yesterday morning to ask for a trade. He said that the Bears effectively lowballed him, offered him a contract that he did not think he could accept, even went as far as to say this would set back the linebacker market if he accepted <laughs> the offer. Well, we're very worried made. about everybody else. Yeah, oh, very much so. Very worried. Uh, so the Bears, at least publicly, 
are stating they would want to keep Roquan Smith. Um, I don't know how much trade value he would have, given that you'd have to then sign him to a pretty big deal after giving up a pick. So my guess is the Roquan Smith remains a Chicago Bear. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I love that he said it's going to set back the linebacker room. I got a tweet yesterday. Josh Jacobs for Roquan Smith. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. The Bears have David Montgomery, and didn't they draft a running yeah. back too? Yeah, that's. I don't think they want Josh no. Jacobs. I think they're set there. Not for they, Roquan Smith. They'd rather have Roquan Smith. Oh, Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. Marshawn Lynch was arrested on suspicion of DUI in Las Vegas. Uh, the picture that TMZ got yesterday of his car, his back left tire was flat. His front left tire was non-existent. The car was driving on the rim without a tire. I mean, who hasn't accidentally done that? <laughs> I assume Ed and I have both done that. And he got he got arrested for suspicion of DUI. What, what What's going on there? Like, obviously, the DUI part of that's bad. But right. how did he lose a tire? And, and was still and driving. to drive. And, and I think the back one was flat. Yeah, the back one was flat. Well, it does open up the policeman's eyes when you drive by <laughs> like that. And he's like, you know, looking for speed. And he's like, uh, <laughs> why is that car shaking up and down so much? Makes it a little obvious there, <laughs> I think, if you're Marshawn Lynch. But can we, like, can we get the whole football player DUI thing to not happen in this city? <laughs> Can you, we can we do that? I just don't understand at this point. We we have in this city. Yeah, we will send a guy who will pick you up with another guy who will drive your car behind it and get you home. Yeah, Hunter Renfro will call you an Uber. Like he's got coupons. Did yeah. you see the uh, Did you see the mugshot? I did. His oh. eyes aren't even open. It looked it. like a guy was driving a car with no rim, yeah. with no, no, no tires. It's unbelievable to me that we continue to have football player-related DUIs in Las Vegas. I can't. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself? Yeah, Fox backs me. Wow. Well, and to be honest, to be honest. No, no, that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please. Earlier this week, Oklahoma assistant football coach Cade Gundy resigned. Kate Gundy had been on the staff at Oklahoma since 1999. So he made it through a couple coaching changes in that time span. He apparently used a racially charged word in front of the team. This was Kate Gundy's statement. Last week during a film session, I instructed my players to take notes. I noticed a player was distracted and picked up his iPad and read aloud the words that were written on his screen. The words displayed had nothing to do with football. One particular word that I should never, under any circumstances, have uttered was displayed on that screen. In the moment, I did not even realize what I was reading, and as soon as I did, I was horrified. I think we can all guess as to what word he read, and I do not believe him when he says, I did not realize what I was reading. You see where some players have come out in defense of him? Uh, so, DeMarco Murray yeah. and others? And because he's been there since 99, right. so he's coached all tons of Oklahoma players. But the interesting part is his statement was that he read it off a player's iPad and unknowingly said this, this is, He was like reading sentences and didn't even right. realize what he was reading. Brent Venables, the head coach now of Oklahoma, he put out a statement afterwards where he said that Cade Gundy used the word multiple times. 
in that setting or he has used it in the past? In, uh, in he that said, setting. It just said multiple times. Okay. So I took that as to mean he has said it before and not just this one right. time he read it off the iPad. That was how I took it. Now, maybe he just read it off the iPad multiple times, but that that might be worse than saying it multiple times. Like different. Like Uh-oh. if you read the same. If, if you, you read, read the same racially charged word more than once. You know, okay. If you're just if saying. You say it once. If you read it once and then you're, you immediately go, whoa, okay. That, that's the point. Yeah. If you're reading the sentence and you come across and say it out loud, you think, oh, God, why did I say it? That's one thing. But to continue reading and saying it again, <laughs> like you said, is almost worse than you've said right. it before. Like. You that should be that should be the trigger. A red you should flag. be triggered right you away. You should see that. It, first off, it should be a red flag before you pronounce it. Right. You should look at it and be like, "Oh, okay. I can't say that word." Right. And then maybe you're just like reading it, it doesn't go off, but as soon as you say it, the red flag should go up. Has to go up yeah. there. Also, do we really believe he was just he just picks up players' iPads and just immediately reads what's on it without thinking? He's just like, why are you doing that? Give me that. And just starts reading. Like, there's no thought process in his mind to maybe I should give a little bit of a proofread to this before I say it out loud. I will say I did have teachers do that when I was in high school, where if they've caught you with their your phone out, they would literally just pick it up and just start reading your whatever you were texting someone. And it, it did end up with some embarrassing. There is a. Yeah, uh, I mean, I could see him picking it up and reading it. But like you said, again, as he, soon as you drop that word, as soon as you drop the word, you stop there was on this idea of teachers making you uh, read or whatever. There's a TikTok of a teacher who would force students if they got a if their phone went off in class, like they got a call to put it on speakerphone in the middle of the class. And one girl pranked the teacher by having somebody call and be like, "This is the teen pregnancy line. Your results are positive." <laughs> and the teacher was mortified. He was like, "I'm like, look like he was gonna lose his job." And then they were like, "Oh, we're just screwing with you." But yeah, that's pretty good. good. It's pretty good. If you're an educator <laughs> or a coach and you're going to try to be like, hey, don't have your cell phones, maybe do a little bit of proofreading before you just start reading things out loud. Might be the best way to go about doing that. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump back into the NBA. Pitch to Diaz and Diaz hits this one pretty well to center field. Going back and looking up. The Broncos! A grand slam! Olympus Diaz! With one swing of the bat, turns this game around, and we're tied at four. All of the sun, none of the fun, on the Press Box Summer Edition. So earlier this week, we got the report from Sham Sharnia that Kevin Durant, when he met with the Nets owner, Joseph Tsai, told him that he had to choose between Kevin Durant or the duo of Sean Marks and Steve Nash, the general manager and head coach. Yesterday, a story from the New York Daily News suggested that Kevin Durant could hold out. It's uh, I wouldn't call it exactly the definitive proof of Kevin what Kevin Durant will do, but Kevin Durant's boundless love for basketball is not a reason to believe he'll show up for training camp if the Nets don't acknowledge his trade request. So do you believe Durant would actually sit out training camp and potentially games, or do you believe that is more of a... Uh, planted story to try to make people think that Durant. I mean, we've, haven't we talked at all about, you know, like you say here, also calling his bluff. He's got four years left on his deal. If he has one year, it's it's one thing, but you have four years left on your deal and you're going to sit out. Yeah. I, <sighs> the Brooklyn Nets hold a significant amount of leverage and yes. power in this 
scenario. The NBA is the one sport where players tend to have the leverage and the power and can generally, the good ones, can generally get what they want, right? It's the one sport, some, some quarterbacks in the NFL fit into that too, but that's really it. Otherwise, teams generally have all the leverage in these types of situations. But right now, the Nets do because they have him signed up for four more years. And what is Kevin Durant really going to do? Because if you're Kevin Durant, and you don't show up for training camp and you're willing to miss games this season. Are you willing to miss games for four seasons? Yeah. Are you are like, you not, I, not playing again for four that, years? That might be hyperbole, but I feel like if you're Kevin Durant, that's what you have to be prepared to do. Because if I'm the Nets, I I have two to me, there's two options here. I'm calling Kevin Durant's bluff. And I'm waiting for a massive trade package to actually come in. Mm -hmm. If I'm the Nets, that's what I'm doing. I'm not trading Kevin Durant for a package that I don't deem good enough just because Kevin Durant wants out. Like, do I think the Nets are asking for a lot? Absolutely. Do I think they're asking for more than they probably should be? Absolutely. But if they as a front office determine, hey, this is what Kevin Durant is worth. And if we don't get it. We are not, not going to trade, trade him. We have him under for contract. That's what I would do because it, it's four years. This isn't like an expiring asset. This isn't a, hey, if Kevin can wait it out for a year, you lose and him for Kevin nothing. Kevin can wait. Like, this is going to be four years. So if I'm the Nets, I'm calling his bluff about sitting out, and I am not trading him no, until I get four years left on his deal. Until absolute. I get the, the absolute package. And if Kevin Durant doesn't show up, all right, Kevin yeah. Durant didn't show up, and we're going to go ahead with who did show yeah. up because that I don't know. That's just what I would do if I were the Brooklyn Nets. And then once you actually get the trade offer you deem acceptable, yeah. you make the trade. Because I just, I guess I can see Kevin Durant holding out training camp, right? That's not games, but I could see him like, hey, I'm not going to show up for training camp or some of the preseason or whatever. I have a hard time believing he would miss games. Maybe given, he's waiting to see if they call his bluff. Yeah, it might he be. He just doesn't come. He might be. Uh, the other part that I'm curious in that wording of that report, if the Nets don't acknowledge his trade request, what does acknowledge mean to you? I take it seriously. Are they not taking it seriously? We've had multiple reports of I trade mean, talks. Yeah, I mean, t- acknowledge that it even exists. Yeah, like I... Do they do they believe it even exists? And if they've had trade talks, they've acknowledged right. it. That's what I'm. That's what I when I read the word acknowledged, my thought was, well, does Kevin Durant believe they ignored him? Because right. we've again we've had multiple reports of People them talking to teams, offers yeah. and they just don't get what they want yet. It's been Boston, Phoenix, Miami. Phoenix probably out of it now. Toronto's been involved, and there was that one report about them trying to talk to Minnesota about getting Carl Anthony Towns uh, and um, I'm blanking on the name again, but getting two guys out of Minnesota, like. Clearly, they've acknowledged it. So does acknowledge to Kevin Durant mean trade me? Because if that's the case, I don't think they're going to trade right. you before training camp happens. So I'm I mean, fascinated do you think he, here. Do you think he believes they haven't tried hard enough hard enough to trade him? I don't know. I mean, maybe. But at the same time, like if they've had conversations with the Boston Celtics about Jalen Brown and the Celtics were willing to trade Jalen Brown, but not Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart or right. whatever that package was going to be. Like, I don't know if you're Kevin Durant, how you can say, well, they haven't acknowledged right. it or they haven't tried hard enough. Like that they're they're negotiating and they didn't get what they wanted. Now, maybe Kevin Durant, maybe Kevin Durant believes they're negotiating in bad faith. That yeah, sure, they've talked to teams, but they're not actually trying to trade me. They're just doing that to look like they're acknowledging the trade. 
But at the end of the day, you're Kevin, like that's the thing. If you're Kevin Durant, you signed the contract a year ago. Yeah. Like this isn't yeah. like, oh, you've been there for multiple no. years and a lot of things have changed. He signed the contract a year ago. Like he was fully aware that Steve Nash and Sean Marks were the guys, the GM and the head coach. And now a year later, it's like, well, you got to fire those guys if you want to keep me. This is this much about Steve Nash? <sighs> A year later, he doesn't I'll, I'll like you, Steve Nash that much. Yesterday, Adam Candy's point, which I thought was a good one, was that he thinks Kevin Durant went to the Nets owner and gave him an offer that was unrealistic. That he went to Joseph Sy and said, "Hey, if you fire the GM and the head coach, I'll stay." Then I'll stay. No, Kevin Durant did that knowing that there's no way he would fire the GM right. and the head coach for a player, right? And so he gave them this ultimatum knowing which side that the owner would choose. But that way, Kevin Durant can be like, well, I gave you a shot, right? I gave you a chance. So that was Adam Candy's sort of logic yesterday as to why Kevin Durant would do this, why Kevin Durant would give him the ultimatum between him and the GM or the head coach. But at the end of the day, Durant just the four-year contract does not give him the leverage. No, like I, to me, this, it just seems very similar to the Ben Simmons situation in Philadelphia where Ben Simmons was not going to play and Daryl Morey, the GM there basically said, all right, I will trade Ben Simmons, but only when, when I get I, the offer that I want, when I get what I uh, want. And he, he held, he held true to that. And eventually he got James Harden. Yeah. And that was more than I thought they would get for Ben Simmons. He got James Harden. He got what he thought was the right value for Ben Simmons. And Simmons didn't have four years left on his deal, right? Kevin Durant's got four years left. So if I'm the Nets, I don't believe Durant when he says he's not going to show up. And even if he doesn't, I'm not trading that guy until I get the legitimate oh, trade package. Yeah, before your four year deal on him and he signed it. I wouldn't move him at all until yep. someone blows me away. Yep. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. Did you see, by the way, Joseph Side tweet out our front office and coaching staff have my support. Yes. We will make decisions yes. in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. That pretty much told Kevin Durant about the GM and right. coach getting fired. Basically answered that question of which side are you choosing? Right. Is there like gonna become a moment where Kevin Durant is just like, I'm hearing about these trade packages. Why won't you take him? I'm not worth that much. Come on. <laughs> yes. That is what Kevin Durant is arguing. He's like, You want Jalen Brown and, and Marcus Smart? I think you guys are being greedy. <laughs> I'm not that good. You guys should trade me for nothing. So yeah, he might that might that kind of has to be his argument. Is hey, I'm not really worth that much, guys. You guys will be lucky to get one if, first round pick. The one of the main well, besides the money and you know the professionalism. One of the main reasons I don't think I could ever be an owner is, oh, you want to you want to leave after you just signed a contract? Let me go ahead and call up the Washington Wizards. <laughs> right, the, the Orlando thing. Magic. I mean, Minnesota is one of those teams. Yeah, I mean, if you well, they they're actually in the playoffs. I mean, but yeah, like one of the jokes was like, well, Joseph Sy should be like, all right, we're sending you to Sacramento. Yeah, like good luck with the Kings and being the nine. Good luck with playoffs. Coach Brown. Yeah, like that's that would be funny if they traded him to Sacramento. It'd be great. All right. Coming up next, Kevin Bollinger joins the show. An extremely focused young man um, that is working his his tail off each and every day to be the best that he can be. Um, he's my locker mate. So when I talk about a guy that's always asking questions, always trying to figure out how to get better, um, I'm, I'm talking about him. Um, he's, a, he's fun to be around. He brings intensity every day. He works his butt off. And um, the, the sky is really the limit for Nate. I was going to ask you that because you've seen it. Yeah. This, you know what it looks yeah. Like. He's, it's the, the sky is the limit. How, how 
good Nate wants to be, that's how good he wants to be. But the thing is, he puts in the work each and every day. He comes to work ready to go. Um, so athletic, so twitchy, can play inside and outside. So um, I'm excited to see what, what Nate will, will do this year. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from Fox 5 here in Las Vegas, Kevin Bollinger. All right, Kevin, uh, can you give us some uh, fight grades between Max Crosby and Dylan Parham yesterday? How good was it? <laughs> Just training camp stuff, you know, uh, nothing nothing too big. I think uh, it, it happens all the time, and, and I, I wouldn't want to mess with, with either one of them, but I certainly wouldn't want to mess with Max Crosby. Wow. The guy's been taking taking martial arts and boxing stuff this offseason. Well, you listen, if you fight, if you're Dylan Parham and you fight Max Crosby, either you lose the fight or if you win the fight, you still lose because you hurt one of the best players on the team. Yeah, that's just a, a no-win situation. That's <laughs> for a rookie, man. That, uh, and I'm sure that he was, uh, that was made very clear after practice by somebody. Uh, after practice, when you saw what you saw with the angle we had yesterday, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the corner. Uh, we did see, you know, Max Crosby, uh, they couldn't block him. I mean, how good is he looking in camp? Because these are the only times when they in pads and we get to see these drills that we really see how, you know, who's looking, you know, competent and who's looking good. But, man, he looks terrific. He does. Uh, he, he's in great shape. I mean, he didn't take any days off. When we, we sat down and talked to him uh, in the offseason and – you know, he basically has, since the, the day they left Cincinnati in the playoffs last year, he has worked every day to get ready for this season. And uh, is a, he's a man on a mission. And uh, good luck to anybody who's going to try to block him because uh, I think that, that he has a singular focus and he's going to draw a lot of attention this year, uh, which, you know, is interesting with Chandler Jones in the mix now, too. Uh, pick your poison. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how that develops and plays out for the Raiders this year. They thought they were going to get a little bit more last year with Ngakwe uh, and didn't maybe uh, happen as, as well as they were expecting. I want to see how it develops this year with Jones and Max Crosby. Ed's been telling me this morning that he was unblockable yesterday. We've heard a lot about Lester Cotton. We've heard a lot about Nate Hobbs. How much does it matter to you that guys are having a you know good training camp when we're still a month away from the season starting? Well, we hear about Lester Cotton every training camp, don't we? I mean, the guy, <laughs> the guy has great training camps. <laughs> uh, some of these guys, uh, you know, the, the proofs in the pudding when we get to, to week one, week two, or, or even you know, for somebody who may not be a starter, if there's an injury or situation where they have to step in, are they going to be able to fill that hole competently? Uh, Hobbs is a, a little bit more... Uh, of I think uh, of an interesting um, player because I think that he's going to see the field a, a ton and everybody seems to sing his praises really well and they're going to need their corners to to be good. I mean, look at the ASC West. I mean, their their the whole DB uh, group is going to be tested uh, in all those divisional games and I think that that you know everything's going to play out on the field as to, to who can hack it and who can't. Uh, do you believe that Darren Waller being at the Aces game sitting next to Mark Davis means he does have an injury? And, and, you know, this is the one thing I know we've kind of debated this in the in the media room a little bit. When you have a long training camp and the Raiders are going an extra week, sometimes guys who are established get a little more leeway, right? Uh, so is it a long lingering injury or is it something to where they're, they're just going to make sure that he's, he's ready for the grind? He's had some injuries in the past, and they don't want his body to wear down. I don't know where they're at. We know we're not going to get any information 
uh, <laughs> out of the Raiders in terms of, of what's going on. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. You know, talk to me when we get to maybe uh, going into week one. If he's not on the field, then I'd start getting concerned. Have Josh Jacobs trade rumors been fun or annoying? <laughs> They're always going to be there, man. Once once uh, we got to draft week and they declined that fifth-year option, it let the circus begin because uh, then it was going to be a question of, are they going to trade him? Are they going to release him? Are they going to use him really hard and see what he can really do and then make a decision on him? So, you know, it doesn't annoy me at all. It's part of, uh, you know, when, when you go through training camp and they start bringing out uh, some people maybe that, uh, you know, aren't uh, going to, to carry the, the load in terms of, of talking and stuff, you, these types of stories are going to stir up a little bit more and get a little bit more traction. So, um It'll be interesting to see if, if uh, you know how they use him uh, when they get to the regular season. I think that they're going to you know see what he can do and see if his body holds up. Are we questioning the names of media availability? <laughs> there, there are some lean days, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are some days we have to look at the roster. So, wait a there second, are hey? some days Ooh. like that, you know. So you, you have uh, you get Derek Carr once a week, you get Josh McDaniels twice a week, and uh, and then you see what's sprinkled in between there, but you always try to uh, maybe save a little bit from, from the others just in case you need it. Should they have given A.J. Cole and Daniel Carlson to the media yesterday to break down the Dylan Parham-Max Crosby fight? <laughs> now, that would have been interesting. Uh, uh, A.J. Cole, I mean, gosh, the most interesting guy on that team, right? He's uh, he's he's one of those guys you just want to go have a beer with and, and just you the guy tells stories, and, and uh, I think that, that those guys, you know, for, for specialists, um, should get a little bit more play uh, than, than they actually do. Nobody ever talks to them unless they do something wrong during the season. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe we need to roll them out there every once in a while just for some comic relief. Given it's the new offense, would you play Derek Carr at all in the preseason? Um, no. I wouldn't until until the offensive line is is sewn up a little bit better. Uh, no, I, I just don't think you you expose them. Uh, they've got to figure out what they're going to do up front, and and you just even if they're only going to play them one series, uh, all it takes is is one one hit, and I just think that that you can't do it right now until they, they get that thing shored up. So do you think they're going to bring in somebody else to be on that offensive line? Or do you think the five starters in week one are already on the roster? No, I think they're bringing somebody in. Uh, the, the one, the one scary part of the way the NFL is set up now, you know, you used to have the staggered cuts as you would go through training camp. And now you're getting an end of the camp cut uh, because there's always going to be a, a veteran that is let go uh, whether it's for salary cap reasons or maybe a, a younger player uh, performed better in training camp than they expected and they were comfortable with them, uh, somebody who can step in and do the job. A lot of times that happens a little earlier in camp and you have some time to ramp somebody up. The problem now is those cuts come late and they also, teams know that they may already know that they want to get rid of somebody, but they're not going to do it until later because they know that player is going to get picked up. The difference with this year is you got about two weeks between the last preseason game 
and the first regular season game. So I think that uh, if, if it is a veteran, they'll have time to pick things up. I, there's no question they're going to have to go out and get somebody uh, to, to, you know, put on that right side. Uh, you were at the Hall of Fame game and the Hall of Fame, uh, one of the few people who, who went from town. Uh, not many people played. Could you take anything away from that game on what type of team this team is? You know, you can't in terms of, of you know, maybe personnel because you didn't see a lot of the starters. Uh, I, I'm a big culture type of guy in terms of locker room guy. I think the Raiders had good good locker room last year that kind of carried them through everything that happened in the offseason, and I think that that, that kind of, um, you know, helped them do what they did at the end of the season. So I, I – on um, games like that, not only you're looking at stuff on the field, but I want to see with all the other players that, that came to that game, but did not necessarily uh, that didn't play. I wanted to kind of see how they interacted on the sidelines, and so I, I think those are some of the things that I pulled away. They did play some starters uh, on the offensive line, but they the, the thing that interested me on the offensive line with some starters is how they uh, rotated their lineup and, and moved guys positionally all around to to get different looks on that line. Uh, which tells me that they're still trying to get get comfortable with who's going to be where. Did you uh, call an Uber bigger than Hunter Renfro's while you were there? <laughs> you know, and it's funny because somebody said, "Well, you know, they were in Canton." I'm like, "No, they weren't. They were in Cleveland." <laughs> you know, the, the Raiders stayed in Cleveland. They were in a big city, so there there were Uber XLs available out there. It wasn't like they were in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they were in a big city, so. Uh, you know, maybe he just hasn't had to to call an Uber very much. Um, so I, I, I looked at that video and I just thought, oh my goodness, uh, all it's going to take is one little fender bender with their knees already up in their chins, and and we could have some big problems. Oh, can you imagine if there was a fender bender with those with those guys in the car, the people who were in the car? Oh man, no pun intended. Oh, that would not have been good. All right, he's Kevin Bollinger from Fox Five. Kevin, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Kev. All right, thanks, guys. Oh, man. Carr, Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. Oh, no. They should have said right away, now listen, go really slow and obey all rules, please. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch is driving. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Somebody should really talk to the special team guys more often. They should. You should get on that. All right, we got tickets to give away. Two tickets to go see comedian Zane Lamprey live in Las Vegas this Friday at 7.30. 7.30 show. You can buy tickets at Ticketmaster or win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Tickets to go see comedian Zane Lamprey here in Vegas this Friday at 7.30. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Be caller number six at 702-364-1100. Three six four eleven hundred. So now full count to Soto. Three and two. Here it comes from Cobb and a swing and a towering drive to right field. That's going to tie the game. Juan Soto's first is a Padre is a no doubter to right. Juan Soto gonna go. Manny swings, hits it in the air to deep left. Peterson's going back. He's watching it. Gonna go. Three run walk off home run. Manny Machado. Forget about the blown save. 7-4, the Padres win it in the bottom of the ninth. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Coming up later in the show, we are going to have Rob Zombie tickets. Also, Jared 
you're going to be at the Tuscany on Saturday for Front Row Card Show, baseball, football, basketball, and hockey cards, plus non-sports cards. You got some Pokemon cards. You want to buy some Pokemon cards, you can go out there. You can sell, trade, buy, get them graded. Uh, Jared will be out there on Saturday at the Tuscany. But last night, big night for the Las Vegas Aces where they beat the Atlanta Dream and Chicago lost to Seattle, which means with two games left in the season, the Las Vegas Aces control their own destiny for the number one seed. They play Chicago and Seattle both at home to end the season. If they win those two games, the Aces are the one seed in the WNBA uh, playoffs. It's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. Huge deal. How many, how many make it? Eight make it. Eight make it. You get the eight seed, obviously. You get the easiest path, and you get home court throughout every single round. Right. Uh, Big deal. So they are, right now, they're a game back of Chicago, but they play Chicago, and if they beat Chicago, they'll tie them in the standings with one game to play, and beating Chicago would clinch the tiebreaker for the Aces. Head-to-head? Yes. If Chicago comes to Vegas and wins, Chicago clinches the one seed with a win. So... Chicago could clinch the one seed with a game left in the season and leave the aces for the, uh, the two seed. But it was a big night last night because the Chicago loss plus the aces win uh, gave them control of their own destiny for the one seed. Now, not everything was great for the aces because Dierica Hamby left the game with a knee injury. Uh, she landed very awkwardly on her knee. Like, I think it's based on the way the injury looked. I think it is fair to sort of make the worst case scenario assumption that her season could be over based on the way that she came down on her So did she, I didn't see it. Did she just fall on her knee or was there some kind of like what you usually see when they put their foot down and there's some kind of like buckling of the So she was coming, she came down on her knee and it almost, it didn't like buckle as much as it looked like it like hyperextended almost. Okay. I guess she's having an MRI this morning. Right. Obviously, that doesn't mean her season is over, but I think anytime you see an awkward fall, an awkward knee knee injury, and then the player's down, and obviously she didn't come back into the game, obviously, you assume or you start to fear worst-case scenario. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be the scenario here. And here's the the interesting part about De'Erica Hamby. The Aces, for the majority of the season, have had this terrific starting five. We've talked about their bench not being very good. But two games ago, Becky Hammond moved Dierica Hamby to the bench because Hamby had been struggling for, you know, the first, the previous like 10 games or so. Kia Stokes got put in the starting lineup. Kia Stokes in the starting lineup last night, played over 20 minutes a game, did not score last night for the Aces. Dierica Hamby didn't either, but she only played like two minutes before she got hurt. So what it meant was the Aces scored 97 points as a team last night. They had one starter give them zero. And they had nine total bench points. Asia Wilson had 24. Kelsey Plum had 22. Chelsea Gray had 22. Jackie Young had 20. Four players scored over 20 points in a game where they scored 97 points. Now, the positive side of that is that the Aces have four players that can score 20 points. Right? That's obviously a very good thing when you've got four potential like, oh, they could go off in a game and carry you to a win. But they also beat the Atlanta Dream, who could be their first-round matchup as the 7 or the 8 seed. They beat the Atlanta Dream by 7 points at home, and they needed 4 players to go for 20 points. That's the negative side of this, that they don't have the depth and the balance offensively to where, I mean, if last night, if 
Chelsea uh, Gray has 13 instead of 22. They lose the game. Like, I mean, they needed four players to go for 20 to beat the seven or eight seed in the WNBA. That's not great when you go into a playoff series, because if you defensively can take away one of those four, two of those four, you're probably beating the win. Yeah, you're probably going to beat them. Now, I don't think Atlanta's going to be good enough over a short, even a short series to knock out the aces. But you get into the second round. There's five good teams in the WNBA that are legitimate title contenders. You get into the second round when you're playing one of those five. And then if you get through that into the uh, finals, it's going to be really hard for the aces to win this if they're that reliant on those four to have good games every night. Yeah. I mean, what what does Dierica Hamby do now in terms of for that depth and what she does in terms of losing her? Yeah. I mean, if she is out, it's it's a killer because Kia Stokes is going to be in the starting line. She might have been have anyways, be. but Dierica Hamby coming off the bench at least could have given them, if she's healthy, can give them, you know, Hey, some points off the bench, some minutes off the bench, but now it's Kia Stokes in the lineup and we're still having the same, we're having the same conversation about the aces, not having a lot of depth as but we did the first week of the season, right? but there's one less player that's in that right. starting and lineup. a good player, right? So it's, it's tough. Like, I, I don't know what to do with the aces. Like they might get the one seed. They might beat Chicago and I might go into it thinking, eh, I don't think they're coming close to winning this thing just because they're, their margin for error has gotten smaller throughout the season, right. not bigger. Like, it's gotten much smaller. And if De'Erica Hamby's out, it's even smaller than we thought. So this is the interesting point. And then the other part, not to, you know, project injuries, which I've been doing a lot this week with the Golden Knights, but, like, if Hamby's out, and what happens if you lose somebody else in a postseason series? Like, what happens if one of those four, even if it's just for a game, goes down and can't come back, right? That could be, now you've only got three players that you really believe in that can score at all, right? That can give you... 10 points or something or more, it becomes really hard to win playoff series when that's all you got. If you're Mark Davis, what game are you going to on Saturday? The Aces. Excuse me, Sunday. The Excuse Aces. Me, Sunday. Not even a question. It's the Aces. I don't think... Well, can he do both? Uh, starts. I believe Aces start at noon. Uh, football starts at 125. I should really know that because I'm running that Aces game. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's noon. I, it, it, I, I believe they moved it's a to noon. noon. Start on Sunday. All right, so I'm guessing like a half hour pregame. So I should get here around eleven. <laughs> yeah, it's the Aces. You go for the major, the entirety of the Aces game, and then you can leave and go over to Allegiant for the Raiders preseason game. Who cares about the preseason? Eh, get some chicken wings over there. Get them in. Get them in <laughs> the, the Aces game. The Aces game. <laughs> You can get chicken wings. Miss like, twice, earn a slice. Yeah, he'll get a free pizza. <laughs> what if he's he, up there? What if he's up there in line? He misses they miss the end of the Raiders game because he's in line he's to get his, in line to get his pizza. pizza. It's to me, in all seriousness, I don't think this if I was Mark Davis, I don't, this isn't even a question to me. The Aces are potentially last game of the regular season playing for the one seed, right? Maybe they're only playing for the two seed there. But it's also, not only that, it's Sue Bird's last WNBA regular season game. She'll play in the playoffs. She'll play in the playoffs. But it's her last regular season WNBA game. And you're going to go watch Jarrett Stidham throw 24 passes against the Vikings instead? No. Like, to me, that's not even... He owns both teams. Why would he... One game matters. One game does not. Right. I, that, to me, that's an easy answer. No right. doubt about it. Where should I go for the column? Is anybody going to play for the Raiders? I... <laughs> What do I? How do I know? Who's because playing? if okay, if Derek Carr and Devonte Adams are going to play, but they wouldn't say that out loud, right? But if they're if, if they're going to play, you go to the Raiders and you write about that. 
because okay. you, one big play and you're that's that's what the column's about. Right, right. right. One bad snap. Right, and one bat. And if like they play two series and Devontae Adams gets one target, zero catches. Uh oh, car fumbles going into the end zone. <laughs> uh, yeah, then there you go. Uh oh, what a nightmare. <laughs> but if it's gonna be Jarrett Stidham, I. I, mean, I guess I, I guess we should ask on Friday, but he, <laughs> I don't know if Josh McDaniels would say anything. Josh, I need to know which game yes, I'm covering. Exactly. Should I go to the Aces or should I go to your game? Are you playing anyone that matters? But in all honesty, if you wrote a column about Jarrett Stidham, you'd get more views than anything about the Aces, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you're going to the you're going to the Raiders. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even think of it that do way. Do you ever do you ever like make that a challenge for yourself? <laughs> just like pick somebody on the team for the Raiders that you're just like Vinny did it with Lester Cotton. <laughs> they wrote a Lester Cotton story and it's like Nate Hobbs is next, but it's like the been the biggest story <laughs> of training camp. Exactly. The Lester Cotton guy.